0: Hello and welcome back to the Ireland Football Fans Podcast. I'm Joseph McCarthy of the Irish Abroad website, and I'm joined again by Mark Kennedy of Hawkeye Sidekick. We're less than a week out from the kickoff of the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. We'll be after qualifying in dramatic or after qualifying after sorry, following qualification after beating Scotland in a playoff last November. Uh, Ireland are competing at their first women's world cup and uh myself and mark are going to go through the teams that ireland will be facing at the group stages we'll have a look at the other teams in the group and players that you should watch out for across the tournament uh mark it's it's good to talk to you again
1: hey joe all good hope you're all keeping well hope all your listeners are as well should be a great few weeks
0: yeah a lot of football to look forward to kick off Let's get started with uh, with Ireland's group and just look at the Ireland squad first of all. The twenty-three player squad was announced by Vera Powell on the twenty-eighth of June, uh, and three extra players, Sophie Whitehouse, Harry Scott, and Jamie Finn, uh, named as travelling training players, which I mentioned in the last episode. I'm not really too sure about, but it is what it is. Ahead of the group kickoff next week, Ireland um, played uh, what was. Supposed to be a friendly against Colombia earlier today. And unfortunately, the reports from the game was that Denise O'Sullivan uh, was taken to hospital for scans on a serious shin injury. Uh, there's been no confirmation yet uh, about her condition, but we assume that she will be available. Uh, Mark, uh, you know, the squad is fairly settled. I know there's there's been a couple of boaters this year that weren't involved in qualification. But looking at the friendlies that we've played against France and against Zambia, how do you think they're gonna line out against Australia on Thursday morning? I think Joe probably be along familiar lines, I mean,
1: the core of the team, I think Fierapel and management have really kind of settled on. I mean, unless something happens to Courtney Brosnan now in terms of suspension or unexpected injury, she starts in goal. I don't think we have a true sense in terms of the depth chart there, Joe. That would be my chief concern. I know four goalkeepers were named, and I know that's probably for training reasons. I know you alluded to that in the last episode, but still, likes of uh, Grace Maloney here, uh, Megan Walsh, and also the, the reserve keeper as well. I mean, we haven't a true sense in terms of who's the backup here for Courtney Brosnan, if, heaven forbid, last last player back, you know, this sort of uh, respect. So Brosnan starts, obviously. Look, we're very experienced in our defensive unit I imagine the likes of Heather Payne will be slotting into that full-back role. Uh, the likes of Niamh Louis Louise Quinn. I, I think there'll be kind of a key question mark in terms of the other full slot. I think we've seen Izzy Atkinson kind of come as a bolter, but is a player that Verapau really rates? So is that kind of going to be an area? It's going to be a surprise pick. Maybe Chloe Mustachi as well. Maybe as well you've cleared a as well who's just basically completed removed to standard Liège. So uh, there's options there. I mean, midfield, I think the, the, the chief concern really right now, Joe, is Denise O'Sullivan. Just given the media reports, and they're just media reports because it was behind closed doors, but if there's any sort of a shin injury here, we're six days, five days out from an Australia game, the likelihood is Denise O'Sullivan doesn't start that game. So then ultimately then, who is going to basically fill the boots of Denise O'Sullivan? Because she's not sort of a fundamental player here. I mean, like likes of Megan Connolly probably comes into it. Rushi Little Littlejohn along with Katie McCabe. Lily Ag probably comes into it as well. But again, the forward line as well, it'll be interesting just to see, particularly against Australia, do we go 4-5-1 or do we go two up top? Firpo has been very complimentary of the likes of Marisa Shava. She was the late bolter to get into the squad. But look, my choices here would probably be Amber Barrett. I mean, she showed her potency against Sambia particularly. Her goal threat, but also Kira Carusa as well. I think you probably got, you'll probably mention about the Australian team in two course here, uh, Joe. But I think we need a little bit of pace in that final turn. And I think if Amber Barrick can hit off the last shoulder here of an Australian defender here, you know there could be goals to be had here. So I mean I'm delighted to see Abby Larkin here as well from Shamrock Rovers. I uh, really feature along with Anya Gorman, two domestic-based players. And Anya Gorman will have to play a pivotal role here because. Given the turnaround in games here, Joe, this squad is going to be fully tested, given you have the game against Australia, then Canada and then Nigeria. So an awful lot of travelling and I think an awful lot of players will need to be prepared for that game day too.
0: I have to agree with all of that. I think Courtney Brosnan has proven herself to be the undisputed number one. She hasn't been a regular for club Everton this season, but she's shown at international level just how vital she is to the team. We've mentioned before that we have been a little disappointed that there hasn't been any experimentation between the posts for the the national side by Vera Powell. But on the other hand, when we have an established number one, it's up to the other players to force themselves into the manager's thoughts. And I don't think it's really happened uh, for the other goalkeepers in the squad. Look, historically, the number one goalkeeper is the one that plays all the way through a team's participation in a major international tournament. Having said that, look, you want to be as well prepared as you can. And I would have liked to have seen one of the other goalkeepers get a run out at least once this year. You know, looking back at the friendly against France, uh, you know, we had uh, Neil Fahi and Louise Quinn in central defence. Two very experienced players, but I just thought maybe there was a slight lack of pace between them that was exposed in France's second goal. Queen stepped forwards to close down the player on the ball and Fahi took a maybe a step too long to uh, come across to block the French player that was coming in and went on to score. Maybe a little bit of cause for concern facing the Australian front line of uh, Karen Ford yeah, with Fowler on, on the bench. you know, In central midfield our thoughts are obviously with Denise Sullivan at the moment. Uh, we hope that Whatever the injury is, and we hope it's just minor, that she's recovered enough to take her place against Australia in a, a little under a week's time. She's one of the most experienced members of the squad with more than 100 caps, and actually the, the top scorer for the team as well with 19 international goals. She's a massive loss to the team if she's not going to be available, and it's going to be heartbreaking for the player herself, having you know done so much to get... Ireland to the tournament going to miss out and end. You know, nothing is confirmed at the moment. Um, but we hope that she doesn't go on to miss out all three group games. Katie McCabe is probably the, the most well-known player among Ireland fans and probably among uh, the opposition fans as well. Scored the goal of the season in the Women's Super League this year. She was the only player outside of the two finalists to be included in the team of the Women's Champions League she's a creator and a goal scorer playing at the peak of her powers now and at 27 she's in the absolute prime of her career delighted that we'll, we will get to see her play at the highest level you know she is going to be our the talisman or the talisman woman not sure what the correct term is there for the team up front you know you made a good point there mark that there's two bolters to the squad there's marissa shava and sinead Farley. you know having seen them play in the Friendly so far this year, I don't really see why they were included ahead of other players. Sheva, to me, she doesn't have the pace to be a a genuine threat at this level. Farley, we've spoken before about why she was out of the game for so long. And to be parachuted straight into an international team playing at this level. I guess because we're so used to men's football, I, I don't think anything like this would ever happen. It's unlikely that a player out of the, that's been out of the game for that long would would, would go straight back into a top-level team like she has with Gotham FC, and it's un, even more unlikely that a player that's been out for so long would be parachuted in at international level. Watching Australia play France earlier, by our last opponents playing the team that we'd be playing in a week's time, what struck me was that Australia were a little vulnerable to France coming in that inside left channel which is where i think amber barrett has thrived for ireland she hasn't been a regular starter for the last few games but i think that if we see her as a substitute that's where i think she can be her most effective looking at just at the squads overall in the group i was a little surprised to see that ireland are a lot less experienced than i thought both australia and canada have on average, almost twice as many caps as Ireland do. Ireland with uh, 38.4 caps, Australia with 66, and Canada with 75.8. Nigeria, are further behind Ireland, with only an average of only 22 caps each, as well as that, were the oldest squad of the four, the average age is 28.4, ahead of Australia on 27.4 years, Canada on 26.9 years, and Nigeria in 26.3 years. Us, you know, with age comes experience, and we're hoping that the experience of the team, you know, there's four widths, more than 100 caps, plus, you know, Diane Caldwell on, on 95, we'll get them out of the group stage.
1: It'll be the senior squad members here that really have to set the tone, and I think that maybe is a reason why Sinead you know, Farrelly got included. I know she's vast experience. She has good experience working with Vera Powell as well, but I think that experience of senior players This is going to be a brand new occasion for an awful lot of uh, the ladies here. So I think, to be fair, it's going to be cool heads, particularly in this first game out against co-host nation Australia. Sold out Sydney venue. Doesn't get any bigger than that, 80 plus thousand. This could go either one or two ways here for Republic of Ireland ladies. They either embrace the occasion, really live for the moment, and really back each other to the hilt, or else go very passive, go in their shell, and uh, let teams dominate them. I think they have to be kind of looking at the first option there to really make this a very enjoyable tournament for everyone concerned.
0: We've only won one of the five games we've played so far, the 3-2 win in a friendly against Zambia. But I think that is cushioned a little bit by the fact that the other teams that we've played are amongst the best in the world. You know, We've got a draw against China, two losses against the United States, and the loss against France in the final game before flying out to Australia. Looking at the build-up for the the other teams in the group, uh, Australia have lost one of the six games that they've played so far this year, or one the lost to Scotland. They ended England's unbeaten streak uh, with a 2-0 win, and as we said, beat France 1-0 earlier today. Before that Scotland game, they were on a seven-game winning streak. So while I wasn't too impressed by Australia against France, they were very compact, I thought. It didn't look very adventurous crossing the halfway line. A lot of the play in the first half came through Vine on the left, You know, a really pacey winger who's causing France a few problems coming in that inside left channel. Kerr didn't really get to show what she can do by the French team. Obviously, she's been identified as the, the danger player by the opposition, and uh, you know she's been double-marked on the other hand France were getting forward quite a bit and getting into the Australia box more than Australia did Australia you know didn't think they were particularly disciplined in defense it was more like they were getting bodies in the way than actually you know playing their way out of trouble which France were doing at the other end of the pitch France definitely had the better chances in the first half although it felt like Australia had more of the play and you know nil nil at half time wasn't an unfair scoreline but I thought that france were the more likely to score in the second half but it was actually australia that went ahead there was a bit of a warning about 10 minutes before the goal uh when it threw ball from Kerr didn't reach forward but it was from that same channel later on where the substitute rasso was able to get to the byline to find mary fowler in the penalty area and a lot of space which Again, for a team that had been so disciplined up to that point, I was actually surprised that France had let her go and uh, she was able to finish from close range. Australia, after that, just shut the game down, sat back in their own half and invited France to come on to them. But just with the sheer amount of bodies they had in their half of the pitch, France struggled to create anything and Australia left with the win. I kind of got the impression from the the crowd, uh, from what what is now a record attendance for a home game for the Matildas and what will be broken by the game against Ireland on Thursday. The crowds were a bit quieter than I thought, and I think that's something that Ireland can try to do as well. Going by some of the reports, it might not be quite Italy and Giant Stadium standards, but we could see more than a third of supports for the girls in green. I think we'll definitely have almost home field advantage for the games against Canada and Nigeria. Mark, how do you think that, that opener against Australia is going to
1: go? Very evenly poised, I think, Joel, for Ireland to realistically be in a last 16. They really need to get something out of this Australia game. Fair, I think you've outlined the Australian threats very well, particularly their final tour. They're very compact, well organised. They really do zonal marking an awful lot in terms of their set piece. Don't give away too many goals. That game against England start of the year was probably the highlight real moment for them. I mean, they had a a poor result against Scotland, but by all accounts, squad rotation was being deployed there. So the fact that they beat England 2-0, Sam Kerr, again, showed her potency and particularly Mary Fowler in that game. So I think from that perspective, Australia will pose an awful lot of problems for us in the final third. So really, I'm very intrigued to see how Verapau and management really do adopt. Do they go for 4-5-1? Are they going to go to up top? Again, can't be leaving ourselves wide open initially. So it's going to be fascinating just to see how this will go. But, I mean, we do have our own threats here, uh, Joe. And, I mean, from a public farm perspective, maybe the set piece becomes a real source of um, hope for us, particularly while well, Australia, I think defensively against France, they were a little bit shaky, particularly in one or two set pieces early, particularly with Katie McCabe's distribution. Hopefully, if Denise O'Sullivan is back here, Megan Connolly as well. We do have an awful lot of good quality in the field to really create. So, look, it's going to be a tall order. I mean, this group with Australia, Canada, and Nigeria can't get much tougher than that, to be perfectly honest, Joe. So, really, Ireland really have to focus in on their own performance. And really, um, I think the concern for me is really the defensive unit, particularly if we get turned here. Do we have the pace to really kind of counteract some of the final third threats we're going to find out in the pool? And I'm a little bit undecided on that at the moment. The hope for me here, uh, Joe, on this Australian game is that we draw maybe one all, get a point on the board and then get on to our next game
0: uh, against uh, Canada. I think we can agree that a loss in that opening game is the worst result. We'll be really facing an uphill climb to get out of the group stages if we don't come away from Sydney with at least a point point. Going into that second game against Canada. Their build-up to the World Cup has been fraught, I think, uh, to say the least divisions within the squad, uh, but against both the the management and the association. They've only played four games this year, Uh, three of them were in February, and their last game was a 2-1 loss to France, coincidentally enough. We're not dismissing Canada. They're the Olympic champions. They're they're a power in women's football. They're ranked seventh in the world by FIFA. The average age of the team, as I said, is just under 27 years old, which is uh, a a good uh, average age for a squad but also with a lot of experience, an average of uh, 75 caps each. Two of the team have more than 200 caps. Uh, Sophie Schmidt in midfield has 221, and Christine Sinclair has more than 300 caps, 323, and almost 200 goals. A hugely important player for Canada. they won once this year, a 2-0 win against Brazil in the Sheva Leaves Cup in February. Mark, it's kind of hard to know what to expect from the team This Hasn't played regularly this year. It'll be more than three months since our last game together and five months since our last competitive game, if we're counting the Shea Believes Cup as competitive. Going into that second game, in part, I think we're going to have a, a large partisan crowd behind us. We could come away from that fixture with something.
1: Yes, but I think from my perspective, Canada are the top seeds in this group. And I think we'll see fairly quickly why here, Joe. I think. Their cornerstone is their defensive uh, shape and their organisation. They essentially believe that they can keep a clean sheet against any team in the world. And I mean, they have such outstanding goalkeepers, also defenders, likes of Buchanan, who plays for Chelsea. Now, again, you've kind of alluded to it. There is an awful lot of experience here. The likes of Christine Sinclair, I mean, like six World Cups, including this one. Uh, I mean, Sophie Schmidt as well. They're gold medalists from Tokyo as well. I mean, they're not a bad team here, to be perfectly honest. What Canada will provide is an awful lot of physicality. Bev Priestman has also done an awful lot of scouting. I don't know if it was inspiration or not. But in 2022, they had two friendlies against Australia and Nigeria. So they didn't know exactly what to do against those two teams. So for me, I think Canada are an absolute pole position here to secure top spot. I think from an Ireland perspective, an awful lot of interest on that Australia game, and I think the Republic of Iron Depth chart will have to be tested out, will have to be tried here. And I, th- I think a result here against Canada is unlikely, uh, I think just given uh, where things are at. But again, Canada, they will play physical, they'll play aggressive, they'll try to play on the front foot here. Again, it's Bev Priestman will have them well set up. But I don't really... They had a behind-closed-door game against England. Now, again, you can disregard it. I mean, there was 21 players, I think, used by both sides. But again, it was a nil-all draw. I mean, it was just kind of feeding out in terms of tournament coming ahead. There was no injuries. So I think, look, Canada... The general perception I'm getting off Canada here and the coverage from Canadian press is that they're not getting the respect that they deserve. They're current Olympic champions. They don't fear the United States. Their great arch rival, and they expect to be in the shake-up, definitely quarter-final and semi-final. So I think for Vera Powell and the Republic of team, that's going to be a daunting task, given this Australia game is going to spend so much emotion. Because, I mean, that opening day, it's July 20, it's fast approaching. But, I mean, with the co-hosts, the energy of the stadium here, I think Vira Powell and management are going to have to play this one a little bit clever here. I think some squad players are going to have to get extended game minutes against Canada. So I think it's unlikely I think we're going to get a result. I think it's going to all the hinge on this Nigeria result.
0: Canada also have the advantage of playing Nigeria and their group opener the day after we play Australia. It's 3.30 in the morning here in Ireland, so probably not going to get up to watch it, but I, I might watch this on Friday. No disrespect to Nigeria, but it is the opener that they would want to play in that game. and you know, It could shake off any bit of match rustiness that they have before facing Ireland in part on Wednesday the 26th. We have to imagine that one of Australia and Canada are gonna take a top two place in this group. It's unlikely that Ireland and Nigeria are gonna go through. So a loss in that opener against Australia and then following up by facing what is on paper, a stronger Canadian side, means that we will need to get a win against them. I know we've alluded to it earlier, but. That opener against Australia, we really can't lose it. And then going into the final game against Nigeria, if we're still in with a chance of finishing second, Australia and Canada are playing at the same time. If we're going into that game, still with a chance of uh, going into the second round, I think that's that's the best we can hope for. Nigeria have had their own problems in the build-up to the tournament. Disputes about pay escalated to the point that the team threatened to boycott their opening game against Canada. I haven't heard conclusively that it's been resolved. I'm, I'm going to assume that the game is going to go ahead as planned. We faced a Zambia in the friendly, who would be the second highest ranked African side behind Nigeria. You know, coming away with a 3-2 win, I didn't told the whole story of that game. There was a lot of pace in the team that troubled us. Scored the opening goal in the first half for Ireland, scored three to take the lead. And, you know, there was the the final goal came with 10 minutes to go. uh, At which point, I think both teams agreed it was going to finish 3-2. They're the youngest team in the group with an average age of 26.3. They have the least amount of caps uh, with an average of only 22 caps each, although their most experienced player uh, and captain, my apologies if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, Onome Ibai. The 40-year-old defender has 107 caps and three goals to her name. And then it's a pretty serious drop to the next most experienced player, fellow defender Osanaki Ohale. The 31-year-old with 59 caps. I think that opening game against Canada is going to tell us a lot. We'll see just how much rustiness Canada have after their build-up has been so disrupted. Nigeria, for their part, have only played five games this year two losses in February in friendly games against Mexico and Colombia. They're currently on a, a three-game winning streak after beating Costa Rica, Haiti and the World Cup co-hosts New Zealand in a friendly in April. If we're getting to that final game against Nigeria, needing a win to qualify for the second round of the tournament, I think that's the ideal situation or the ideal scenario for mira Powell and her team.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Not if not, water will be under the bridge at that stage, but I think Nigeria as well, look, you, you've hit nail on the head. Their preparation has been completely blighted by the money row bonuses and not getting financial security here. That can have an absolute adverse impact to a squad getting it into a World Cup. So preparations have been hindered. What's very interesting about this Nigeria squad is the amount of US-born soccer players that are in this Nigeria squad from Nigerian parents. I think you've called it out with e E. B, um, the the captain obviously. Now you'd also have representation from Spanish clubs like Atletico Madrid. Aji Badge is an absolutely superb box to box midfielder. And I think this is a comment that Bev Priestman, uh, when the Canadian head coach basically mentioned, when they got the Group of Death, she called it the Group of Death, but she immediately highlighted Nigeria as being one of the potent threats here because they'd already played Nigeria in twenty twenty two twice. And from her recollections, she had mentioned that Nigeria were very fast, very physical, very much what we saw with Zambia here, Joe, uh, with Ireland in Tala. But again, an awful lot more physicality, I would say, in this Nigeria side, particularly from a high perspective. So the likes of Tony Payne, Seville, uh, Djibadje, but also you have Aziat, o- Osholala, but with Barcelona, an absolute speed merchant in the final third. I'd rate her uh, alongside Sam Kerr from a predatory goal poacher uh, perspective. So I think from that perspective here, Joe, it all really depends on this mindset of Nigeria. We'll soon find out fairly quickly, particularly against Canada. And uh, now, you know, if Arnott are still in with a chance, if they've gotten something out of either Australia and Canada, then I think it's all fair game because really and truly, I think Nigeria's first game is got to be their key. They don't get a result against Canada. I don't see them getting a result against Australia. And if you don't get a result there, they're almost packing the, the bags at that stage. And I think from Republic of Ireland, late women's perspective, I think then you have to then bring back the players, some of the key players from that Australia game and really kind of pinpoint that fixture as one that you need to target to win. There are a side that will be interesting on paper, they will be very entertaining, but I think defensively there has been issues under recent record as well. Like they had underwhelming wins, particularly against Haiti in Turkey uh, at the start of the year 2 1. So, I mean, form is not really hitting the headlines here any great deal. So, I mean, for Republic for Ireland, every one of these teams are going to pose different problems. Like we've talked about Australia here with Sam Kerr, Mary Fowler, Ford, in, and in terms of the compact organization of Australia, If Canada, which are very defensive first, but they will have skill set and they will be very direct. And then you have Nigeria here, which will have that classic African style of play where they will look to express themselves. They look to, you know, really kind of release their front two. They typically play with two up top here, Joe. I think this will be a challenge for like fahi Louis Louise Quinn, or even Diane Caldwell here to really counteract some of the pace here that they may be facing against Nigeria. So look, you have to give Nigeria respect here. But I think from an Ireland perspective, this is one, if they're going to basically get a win here, I think this is the, the, the fixture to probably do
0: it. If you had to choose when to face Nigeria, you'd probably pick either the first game or the last game. You definitely don't want them in between. You know, the they, days, we assume don't get anything against Canada in their opener. That's going to drive them forward in their second game against Australia. If they again fail to get something against the Matildas, then they could be out by the time we play them. On the other hand, so could we.
1: It's fine margins here, Joe. As you said so well here, first game out, we have to get something out of that. Otherwise, we're on the back foot completely. And that Canada game, which is looks to me very tough and it's even more difficult because you're putting more pressure on the team. So really put the front foot forward and the same with Nigeria as well. I think Nigeria will provide enough of enthusiasm. I know they've had the infighting, but when it comes to this first game out on the twenty first of July, Nigeria will be fully focused to get a result against Canada. And I'd say they believe that they will get a result against Canada in Melbourne, but so they're a dangerous proposition particularly in that opening game, at least we'll know what we're going to face in our last
0: game. We wish the team the very best. Hopefully we'll get an episode out after the group stages and we'll be looking forward to seeing the team play in the second round. Uh, just looking at the rest of the groups in the tournament, I know we've said that we were drawn in the, the group of deck, but to be honest, there's very few groups that you would count as group of life or even uh, an easy group. We start with group a new zealand norway the philippines and switzerland uh new zealand's the co-hosts will be will be looking to advance to the second round norway very strong in women's football and likewise switzerland with philippines maybe cast in a similar role so nigeria and our group who do you see coming out of group a mark
1: i think when we saw the straw last year my hope and wish was that we had new zealand and not australia The reason I say that is that New Zealand squad is far inferior to Australia's and their form guide going into this competition and this tournament, even though they will have strong home support, I don't think they're anywhere near the standard of Norway and also Switzerland, who for me could be a dark horse in this tournament. You know, you've Lehman obviously from Aston Villa, but you also have two or three other players in Switzerland from an attacking final third who could do damage against opposition. So, for me, Norway should win this group and I would say Switzerland coming in second Philippines, I think it could be an awful baptism of fire for the Philippines. I think their form guide the standard of competition that they're facing in their own federation, this is an absolute considerable step up. So I think Philippines could be in for a hiding or two here. And New Zealand, you never know, they might be able to poach a a result maybe against Norway first game out but to be perfectly fair their squad is not good enough I don't think Joe and I'm just being brutally honest here because the fixtures and friendly games t- have suggested that so for me in Norway to top the group in Switzerland to come second
0: yeah I'd have to agree with that uh, Norway to top the group New Zealand you know I'd say they'll be going into their final group game against Switzerland Still with a chance of finishing second but would probably fall short against a you know a very strong Switzerland team with and then uh, the Philippines in bottom of the group group c possibly one of the easier groups to predict spain costa rica uh zambia who we faced in the friendly and japan you'd have to imagine that spain and then one of costa rica and japan would come out of that group spain their squads uh made up of mainly of players from their own league uh, a lot of experience a lot of experience at european competition level Possibly one of the favourites, although I'd say they're probably in that maybe in the second tier of favourites. But uh, you'd expect them to have already qualified from the group before they face Japan in their final group game on the 31st of July.
1: Japan are a quality outfit. They have been for many a year. They've always been a consistent performer in World Cups, getting second round quarterfinals. So I think that Japan's Spain game will be significant, just given the way that last 16 draw will be. Sambia, for me, are the enigma of the group here, Joe. Uh, I think purely, I was surprised by them against the Republic of Ireland in Tala. I think Banda was a quality standout during the game. Now, there has been a bit of controversy regarding her participation, given the eligibility of Banda. There has been a few accusations leveled at the head coach here, with regards to the squad. So, I mean, that's been a distraction. But I think it's Zambia. Their win against Germany in that last warm-up game, for me, is really kind of a headline grabber here. For me, maybe two weeks ago, I would have seen this as a very routine Spain, Japan, and take your pick in terms of one and two. Zambia, for me, over Costa Rica, I think Costa Rica, again, it's that federation competition. I think they're going to find it going very tough here. So I think Zambia, if they can pull off a result here, um, might be making this a little bit more interesting than it should be. But I think Spain and Japan, they should have sealed their kind of qualification last 16 but i think the top seed will be key here for uh, group c particularly uh to be fair to spain i think they've unfinished business after the euros they were probably the team that really should have beaten england uh, in that uh, quarter final so i'll go spain and go japan but wouldn't be surprised if those places got reversed
0: i think the final group game uh there between japan and spain will be to decide the final order of uh, group c Group D has England, Haiti, Denmark, and China. England, one of the tournament favourites. China historically very strong in women's football. I think the friendly we played against them in February was a bit pedestrian, but uh, look, we know what they can do at this level. Denmark with a European pedigree and Haiti probably going to finish bottom of this group. For me, it's England top the group with China in second. to run the fixtures sees China play England on the 1st of August in Adelaide, and like the Spain and Japan game in Group C, that's going to decide first and second in this group.
1: England, the draw that they've been given here has been, you know, it's decent enough. I mean, you consider what's gone before, particularly in Group B, and we'll go to the US group in due course. But I suppose for Wegman, the head coach, she's had to contend now with some substantial injuries. Leah Williamson out, Frank Herby out as well, and lead up to this tournament. I think they're two vital cogs of this um, England team. So, where is that leadership coming from? Really down the heart of the uh, likes of Styles. I think there's a few new p- players coming in here that have an awful lot to prove. Ella Toon, likes of Rousseau as well. They're going to have to step it up another notch here. Denmark and China, whenever they play, that'll be a fascinating duel because Pernell Harder. She's an absolutely superb player. Like She's just recently left Chelsea, managed under Emma Hayes, absolutely outstanding servant. She had an enforced absenteeism from the Danish camp and national team up until this tournament. So, I mean, that's a great boost for Denmark. So, look at China, Denmark. Look, China, I think, will be well-organised. It'd be interesting to see their form guide going in. Again, I would give a hesitant vote for Denmark here. Again, given that uh, Pernell Harder here has a point to prove it might be enough to get Denmark over the line. But again, that Denmark-China game, there's nothing between those squads. And As for Haiti, I think Haiti have shown competitiveness. Like I've mentioned about Nigeria winning 2-1, but again, this is a different kettle of fish here. England first day out. I think that could be a cricket score, Joe. And I think this is going to be the unfortunate thing here for the likes of the Costa Ricas. The Haitis here will go down through the rest of the groups here. So if you debut World Cup teams here that could get hockeyed here because the the teams have increased. So I mean the quality has increased, but I think for certain teams here, there could be outma- there could be outmatched. I think one of them could be Haiti here, and I think for England it, they'll have bigger challenges, particularly in the second round. On they should comfortably get out of this group.
0: Looking at Group B then: Netherlands, Portugal, United States, and Vietnam. Again, three very strong teams. The United States. We know their pedigree at, at this level. Multiple World Cup winners. Huge experienced squad. The two friendlies that we played against them earlier in the year. They showed exactly what they can do. They're organized. They have this, I suppose you'd call it, you know, game knowledge. Just how to go and win a game. and How to shut things down. The first game, especially after the second goal went in. They kind of, they decided that the game was going to finish 2-0, basically. Um, yeah. uh, Alex Morgan... You know, 206 caps. Megan Rapinoe, it's going to be her final bow, and in football, she's going to retire after it. You know, she's going to reach 200 caps at the tournament, but it mightn't have as uh, as easy as you might think. The Dutch have a a very strong squad. Unfortunately, they won't have Arsenal's Vivian Meadema available to them. But you know, looking down through the through the team, there's a lot of high-level experience there. Players from Wolfsburg, Olympic Lyon, Paris Saint Germain. Arsenal and Manchester City, they could cause an upset in this group. Portugal, I think that they might be able to, uh, to get a, a result against either the United States or the Netherlands. But for me, I think it's going to be the United States, the Dutch, Portugal and Vietnam in that order in Group E.
1: Yeah, I'd probably go along with you there. But I suppose from a US perspective, I think they're privately happy with this group because they're going to get tested out early here in terms of their top charts. In terms of the teams they're going to face, the Netherlands, I think you've alluded to the key injury there up front. Uh, Portugal should be a very progressive side. They impressed me in the Euros last summer in England. Now, I think they were unfortunate in terms of when they got knocked out to Germany. But I think to a certain degree here, they had to go through the playoff qualifiers in February, which is advantageous. But again, Portugal would battle hard in going into this. And as you say, Vietnam, look, if we called Haiti, cricket score, I can't imagine what Vietnam USA is going to be in the first uh, round of games here because it's, look, the configuration with Vietnam, I think it's it's going to be an arduous task for Vietnam. They're going to be, the resiliency here of Vietnam is going to be pretty uh, key, I would think, because the Netherlands are not going to show any sympathy and same with Portugal. I think it'll be the Netherlands and Portugal game will decide who's second. I would edge it to the Netherlands. Remember, USA and Netherlands did contest the World Cup final four years ago so I think from that perspective you have to go USA you have to go Netherlands but I think Portugal on their day could definitely catch Netherlands I don't think they'll catch USA but I think uh, that could be the intriguing match here but yeah I'll go USA one Netherlands two.
0: Group F then two real heavyweights of the game in France and Brazil who are joined by Jamaica and Panama no disrespect to to Jamaica or to Panama but It's really, it's it's France and Brazil, one and two in that that group. And it'll be the the second game when they face off in Brisbane on the 29th of July to finish it decides who finishes first and second in the group. We saw France uh, in the friendly against Ireland in Tala only a few weeks ago. Very controlled. While they did struggle to score, I think after that first goal went in and they got their, their heads up a little bit, Didn't really think that Ireland might get a result against them. I was a little surprised by the result against Australia. France definitely deserved to get something out of the game. The number 13, Vaca, played really well. Tormented the Australian defence in the first half. Thought there was definitely a goal in the game for her. Wendy Renard, the captain, restored to the team after refusing to play on the previous manager. So the French Football Federation replaced the manager. Huge experienced player. Uh, multiple Champions League winner with Lyon. And I think she'll expect to lead her team into the second round. I would give them a slight edge over Brazil. So France and Brazil, first one and two. And then, oh let's just say uh, Jamaica, three and Panama, four.
1: This is probably one of the more routine groups. Martha is just a legendary player in the women's game. And her duel with Renard. It's going to be absolutely superb when Brazil and France meet up because those two are just standout footballers at this level. Um, for me, I think France have a better squad overall. I wouldn't be too worried about the result this morning, Joe. in terms of uh, France. They'll learn from that. They will be ready for what comes in the second round particularly. Uh, for me, the intriguing part would be Jamaica. and Just to see how Khadija Shaw plays she plays her football in Manchester City she's a very good striker, has provided plenty of goals for Manchester City in club form now the key is going to be whether she gets the service or not from her colleagues in Jamaica and they're going to find it increasingly difficult against Brazil and France and look Panama, again look as if they're going to be struggling against this high quality group Uh, so yeah, look I'll lean it towards France and Brazil but again topping your group Uh, in these kind of open round games is imperative here because like looking around at the last 16 let's say for argument's sake brazil finished second they have a round of 16 against germany who will preview uh potentially france would play someone like colombia so again that's the the chasm here so again that france brazil game whoever wins that group game that defines their world cup
0: uh, when the draw was made, our own group was designated the group of death. But looking at Group G, you can't pick two teams out of it. Argentina, Italy, South Africa and Sweden. All four sides, very evenly matched. Maybe give a slight advantage to Italy. All of their team except for uh, Dragoni is home-based. The 16-year-old midfielders with Barcelona. Every team in that group can beat every other team in that group. Sweden, as we know from qualification group, historically very strong in women's football look just for the sake of argument i'm gonna go italy first argentina sweden south africa but if you ask me tomorrow i could reverse that easily
1: sweden come to this world cup they're like the canadas the usa's the germany's the japanese the spanish they're perennial performers at world cup stages here I mean, look at Sweden's record last summer in the uh, UEFA European Championships, got to a semi-final where they were comprehensively beaten by England. Now, I mean, from a Sweden perspective, this is a very tough group. Uh, I would agree with you here, uh, Joe. South Africa, probably the unknown quantity here. Just given their run of form, will they be able to kind of pick uh, themselves to the next level? Italy will be pretty decent, I would say, given that Italian football is starting to progress particularly in the club Uh, perspective. Argentina, you know, will always be competitive, very physical. So, yeah, for me, I'll probably will go Sweden here. And again, it's a toss up between the second place team because I think any one of those other three could actually get there. I think the key will be for Sweden, Black Stennis, who plays with Arsenal. She's a confidence player. If she can get involved early with Sweden up top, uh, there's an awful lot of great quality midfielders here for Sweden that will provide an awful lot of good service to her. She can become a bit prominent here early. I think Sweden's win the group, but by God, Joe, whoever comes out of this group, Group G is going to be well and truly battle-hardened. And I wouldn't like to meet either in the last 16
0: uh, fixer. Finally, Group H, Germany, Morocco, Colombia, who Ireland faced in an unfriendly earlier today, and South Korea, Germany, still a really strong team. You see them qualify on top of that group. Between the other three, I think it's fairly evenly matched. I might give them nod to South Korea. They have a really strong record in the World Cup. And look, after the game today, I just want Colombia to finish bottom of the group uh, behind Morocco.
1: <laughs> now, in fairness, Joe, I think we might mention it, but why in your earthly mind are you deciding to play a South American team six days before a World Cup opening fixture? I mean... For Colombia or any South American side, regardless of five-a-side, regardless of if it being a challenge game, friendly, behind closed doors, they would go competitive on it. So I think big questions have to be asked in the Republic of Ireland setup why you would choose such an opponent going into a key fixture. And this could deprive Ireland of uh, Denise O'Sullivan. So, I mean, to be fair, I think an awful lot of reflection and retrospectives have to happen in that Republic of Ireland backroom staff for making that decision. But going back to this group, Germany would stand out here. I think Pop will be a magnificent performer in this tournament. She's probably my tip to be, win the gold and boot. Uh, look, I might have jinxed them, but I think Germany are going to win this World Cup. I think they've unfinished business from the, Euro- the European Championships last year. I thought they were very unlucky. Pop unfortunately broke down in warm up in that European finals. I think if she was in that pitch, England not winning that final. And I think, to be perfectly fair, Germany are building a lovely squad here. There's a nice blend of youth and experience. I can see them topping this group with ease. And now it comes then to Morocco. I think Morocco is their debut. And a bit like Ireland, they either can embrace this or they can go passive and, you know, really kind of take a few hammerings. And I think it could be the latter here for Morocco because their squad depth doesn't look that good on paper. I think it's between South Korea and Colombia. And I mean, <laughs> Colombia have set the stall out now, haven't they, Joel? In terms of the physicality, getting in your faces, getting early yellow cards. And I don't think that's going to help them in any measure because referees are going to be on the alert for Colombia now. So I think from a neutral perspective, maybe South Korea gets the second. But I think that's as far as they will go in this
0: competition. We knew there was going to be twists and turns into... In the build up to this tournament, as there is before every tournament, just wish that it wasn't this particular twist. And we wish Lisa Sullivan all the very best. And as we wait, uh, along with every other Ireland fan, for news of her injury,
1: it's just been tricky, Joe, though. I mean, this is a combination of a few, I think, rough days for Public crowd Ireland set up in terms of the preparation, the profiling of their venue in Brisbane, the confirmation that FIFA had to intervene to get Ireland a better pitch. I don't want to be citing a Japanese resort, <laughs> but to be perfectly fair, we're getting to that stage where facilities were probably committed to the Republic of Ireland that were, didn't hit the mark. So I think the retrospectives will have to be, this is another episode here, Joe, and I think it's a little bit disappointing here. There's been a little bit of negative here in terms of Republic of Ireland, this behind closed doors uh, fixture. Now certain other teams have basically gone that approach. But it's gone in the approach of try out all your squad players, 21, 22 players, outfield players, getting game minutes, getting kind of a feel, a sense of the tournament that's about to hit. I don't think I got that sense from any reports from behind closed doors game between Public Republic of Ireland and Colombia. This looked to be a very, very competitive game from minute one. So I think from that perspective, maybe it's a bit of an experience here from a Republic of Ireland perspective with the women's backroom staff here that unfortunately... This preparation, there has been, I think, some mistakes here in preparation, and hopefully, it doesn't come back to bite us in terms of denisa Sullivan's uh, extended uh, absenteeism because she is a key cog in this women's side.
0: Definitely. Um, she's, I think, allowing McCabe the two best players in the, in the team. Tries to team forward from midfield is a goal threat, and we um, were desperate to have. Uh, Cork player leading uh, an Ireland team at the World Cup in central midfield you know finally.
1: Yeah hopefully Joe. look fingers crossed that this like again it's behind closed doors again so reporting is going to be limited on this unless until we get a medical update hopefully at the weekend here but you know hopefully the the worst case scenario here is that it's been a precautionary scan I think we have to be realistic realistic here Joe. we're coming into match day preparation, so I think Vera Powell and management may have to focus minds away from Denise O'Sullivan on that Australian game, and see if she can get right for um, the Canadian game, and maybe Nigeria game as well, because like a shin injury here, it just doesn't sound good, does it, Joe, really, to be honest, you know, so again, it's all speculation here, but you know, hopefully for Denise, her World Cup dreams haven't been devastated here.
0: Even if it's on the low end of the scale, in terms of in seriousness, there's no guarantee that a bad tackle or even, you know, uh, planting a foot badly on the pitch could exacerbate the the problem that's been created here. You know, I'm thinking back to Jason McIntyre getting injured by a player in what was a a similar behind closed doors game uh, before the World Cup in 2002, and I'm pretty sure the player was actually from Cameroon. Obviously not involved with the the Cameroon squad at the World Cup, but you know, wanted to make a name for himself. Exactly. So, look, unfortunately, these things have
1: happened. Now, touch it hasn't really happened in terms of certain players. I mean, we've had it with Aoife Mannion not being able to make it in terms of her knee injury. We were hoping that would be the case. But again, you know, it's just the retrospective in terms of the opposition that you're going to choose. And maybe it's because Columbia were kind of based around the Brisbane area that they made a decision to contact Colombia. But again, it's the South American side here, Joe. And regardless of the competition, regardless of whether it's a kickabout about the local park, they're going to go hammer and tongs. And I don't think the Ireland team really read the, the script here. They read the room in terms of the choosing of Colombia here. Maybe, look, they went for Zambia, an African nation. They've gone with France as well. You did actually play China, you know, early on in the year from an Asian pan Pacific perspective. Again, maybe they look to sample it up in terms of South America, but to be perfectly fair, it looks like uh, maybe a costly fixture that's been put in the schedule here. But look, it's all conjecture at this moment in time. We wish Denise well, and hopefully Ireland can uh, recover from this. Any Any predictions? Uh, Who do you fancy for winning the World Cup? Maybe a Golden Boot uh, contender?
0: I I did like the look of France, despite the result against Australia. I think they played a very similar game to the way they played against us in Tala a couple of weeks ago. I think the quality across the squad. I think yeah, okay, I'm gonna, I, I'd go with France and uh, Golden Boot is always pretty tough to select. It's not always say you know someone from the favorites. Um, I go with I go with Marta from Brazil. Like I think she's going to play every game. A lot of their play is going to be centered around her. She's going to be taking the penalties, she will probably be you know, she she might not take all the free kicks but she's uh, the target for their set pieces, so um, yeah, I'd like to see Marta do it in what would probably be her final World Cup.
1: Yeah I suppose for me, look I made a few predictions, but my semi-final draw is going to be the USA against Spain and Canada versus Germany I've gone USA, Germany in the final with Germany to win. Uh, I just feel that may not be the fairy tale for Rabinot and the rest of the U.S. players that are kind of bowing out from the international scene. I think this Germany team are primed. They're going to be more motivated than ever to get over the line after what happened in the Euro finals last summer. So uh, for me, I think England will get knocked out in the quarterfinals. Germany will beat them and re- maybe gain a bit of revenge for that European finals loss. For me, uh, the goal scorer, it's, the golden boot is always got to be a key one, really, but I think you might have a smart bet on maybe someone who's maybe playing someone like Haiti or Vietnam, particularly. But I'll go with Alexandra uh, Pop from Germany. I think she's just a clinical. She's probably up there. I'm just thinking in terms of Sam Kerr. It's a very difficult group that Australia are in with Canada, Republic of Ireland as well. That Republic of Ireland game, I think, would be a very nervy affair. And you'll have also Nigeria here. So I think Alexandra Pop for me, Germany. She's a consistent performer. Look, great in the air. Great great on the deck as well, just in terms of her finishing prowess. So, yeah, for me, it's going to be a German clean sweep here. I'll probably jinx them, though, Joe, to be fair. So, Uh, Don't don't ping Joe. (laughs) Look, might have been a little pessimistic there about five, ten minutes ago. But I think, look, for Republic of Ireland, they proved the doubters wrong repeatedly in terms of qualification, the progress. I think they're going to embrace the tournament here. You hear Lysa Caruso speak to the media, it has been very positive about embracing the moment, having each other's back. So I think that'll be required. If we can get a nice result in that first game out against Australia, I think all bets are off. Now if I told you if they finish second in their group and England top their group, guess who Ireland we play in around sixteen?
0: Yeah, that'll be a really interesting uh, second round tie
1: to be fair talent they have absolutely nothing to lose as long as everyone of the team like what's gone on before has gone on before it's now focusing in on July 20th onwards that everyone is on the same page that they deliver performances that they hold their head up high and hopefully that it'll be good enough to get two results here to get out of the group that would be a magnificent achievement for Vera Powell and the management and also the players so look wish them all the best it's a tough group, but again, this is a team that looked out to believe. So I think, look, hopefully the motto will be applied when they're down in Australia. So best of luck to them all.
0: We hope you've enjoyed our preview of the Women's World Cup that's kicking off in a few days' time. Uh, we're looking forward to a month of top-class international football for the second time in a little over six months. I want to thank Mark for joining me on uh, the episode again. You can follow Mark on social media at Alkai Psychic. You can follow me on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Irish Football Statistics and on Mastodon and Blue Sky if you have an account at Irish uh, Irish Abroad. Um, Don't want to get too much into what's going on with Twitter at the moment, but basically paused on Twitter for the time being. Talk to you soon. Take care. Come on, you guys in green.